Energy is everywhere, whether we realize it or not. And these unseen frequencies have a very real and tangible effect on every aspect of our lives, both internally and externally. Regardless of your level of self-awareness of your own personal energy or that of those around you, we are all emitting signals every moment of every day. And those signals flavor our experiences of ourselves and our interactions with others. Join myself, Vicky, Joe, and our special guest, Kat McElving, our Tapwork with Streets Transformation Guide, through this conversation of how to cultivate energetic awareness, how to recognize when we're energetically congruent or incongruent, and how our thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and identity scripts play a key role in the way we carry ourselves and the behavior we act out on a daily basis. We explore the difference between the never-ending search to become fully healed and a devotional practice to being fully human and how the former doesn't specifically lead to attaining quote-unquote more healing or more enlightenment. You'll also discover how energetic flexibility leads to an overall happier, more fulfilling and creative life and how to maneuver through the full range of human emotions with self-acceptance. Welcome, Kat. You're joining Joe and I, Vicky, on the Tabloid Podcast today. Welcome. It's so glad to have you. Thank you, guys. I am so excited to hang and chat about all the things. All the things. Energy congruency. That's a broad topic. We could, like, start anywhere with this. So based on what we've kind of talked about before we hopped on, what are you most excited to jam on oh is this from is this question for me yeah okay okay um you're right this this can go so many ways and when I start talking about energy it's hard to even pick a direction we just follow the energy right because everything is energy everything is energy and that really opens this conversation up to apply to so many different parts of life um but it also kind of condenses it down because beyond all the different things we could talk about, it comes back to that energetic experience of life, both within and without. And so I think that's what I'm most excited about with this conversation is that there's this underlying thread of if you can access, work with, and learn how to experience your own energy, you unlock mastery over all the other things so it's really powerful yeah yeah so I think the first question at least that came to my mind as you were talking um and especially for those who are listening who maybe aren't you know super familiar with the topic um how do we cultivate awareness of our energy to begin with whether it's congruent or incongruent Ooh, okay. Um, so I, I have this term energy mastery, right? And I think the term or the word mastery can kind of freak people out because they think like, oh, I have to be in control all the time. But actually, we just need to get to a space where we are aware of the energy moving through us and how we're responding to it. And when we can 
listen and be with ourselves, we can start to hear, feel, watch that energy act out. But where people get to this unconscious place with their energy, where they're just not aware, they're either numb to or just totally unaware of how they're of how they're responding and reacting to life or how they're experiencing energy in themselves, whether it's emotions, thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, is when they're existing in this part. And I'm, I'm I know this is a podcast, but I'm, I'm, I'm motioning to my neck up, right? When we are totally existing in the thoughts and the mind and the head space and the stories and the narratives, it's so loud and cluttered. There's no way that we are actually able to be present with our present moment experience of life, whether that's like, let me give an example, because this gets kind of heady, literally. <laughs> um, like, let's say that you are dealing with a family member that's frustrating you and it's bringing up all of these old wounds around your upbringing or whatever it is. And you may be feeling this energetic soup of emotion and memory and even nervous system, like tightness and contraction. But if you are existing up in your mind and just in the like swirling thoughts around it, then you're completely ignoring that big emotional charge that you're experiencing in your body as energy. And when we can learn to cultivate presence, this is where it all comes back to yoga for me. When we can learn to cultivate presence through silence and being, being actually present with ourselves, we can drop out of that headspace piece and into separation from what we're experiencing and observance witness to what we're experiencing, right? And so I can witness in the moment of being activated by this family member, what's going on in my body, what emotions are coming up and do something to work through it, whether that's like conscious breathing or naming it. There's so many different like techniques beyond that. But I think it's that presence piece that you have to learn how to cultivate outside of the activating moment. Because in the activating moment, you're not going to be like, oh, I need to like practice presence, right? Yeah, totally. And I think just one thing to say to sort of differentiate, because I think people sometimes can take a response and reaction to be synonymous. So like when it comes to the way that I define it, response is when we do some conscious work to sit with it and then give the response versus react, which is, you know, that like initial gut knee jerk reaction. Um, so that's just to, to kind of, at least yeah. how I, how I differentiate those two things. Um, Vicky, I would also be curious, um, about your answer to, um, that awareness cultivation as well. It's, almost identical to what Kate shared and in a different way of articulating it is like you can react from a place where you're in it and not be aware of the reaction or even if you are aware of the reaction you're like fuck I'm having a reaction I'm like activated here and I know the adult thing to do is be present to what I'm feeling and all the emotions etc but when you're in that charge I encourage myself to embrace that as well and not berate myself. So even that in itself is what I define as presence. Like being present to what is, whether it's a really uncomfortable 
significant charged emotion or a, huh, look at that, I'm responding in a way that I may not have before, before I learned presence. Yeah. Totally. And that's a great point because I think you can do both, right? You can have, I think we all, even if we are responsive to our energetic charges or or the things that activate us, I think what's always going to likely happen first is the reaction. And then, you know, of course it's, do we act on that or do we sit with it? And there's no right or wrong. It just, it is what it is. And and we're all going to react differently in any given moment in time. So that brings me to my next question, which is how can we define what that incongruent energy is for us versus what does it feel like when it is congruent? Oh, this one's so juicy. I could talk about energy and coherence and coherence forever. It's a huge part of the PSX course as well. Um, but and, and and to to clarify your question, Joe, you were asking how we can recognize or know when we are in energy congruence versus not. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So there's a number of s- symptoms or yeah, I'm going to call them symptoms, but we'll use this in a, in a neutral way, not meaning coming from like dis-ease, but a number of symptoms or consequences of, of um, being in congruent energy, right? A huge one is our somatic experience in our body. Um, this is the first one that I go to because we are perceiving life through our senses, which is our nervous system, right? Our CNS. And that is directly being affected by, um, once again, this energy soup that we experience, which is all the different energetic influences that we're experiencing in any given moment. Um, thoughts, feelings, emotions, um, you know, our external reality. So big one is our somatic state. So if we are in I mean, fight or flight, um, contracted breathing, feeling, you know, shoulders tightened up like this towards our ears, um, you know, rapid breath, then that's a good place to start looking at where am I in incongruence or, or incoherence. And we can look for, we can look for sensations in the body. We can look for um, thought loops that we're on, right? All that different stuff. Um you know, I, I could list off other ones, but something's telling me to sort of just start with that because that one's at the base of it all. All the other stuff we might experience to, to tell that we're in, in incongruence at the baseline is going to be this like somatic um, reaction or, re- well, let's say response, right? Because it's, it's a natural response of our nervous system. Yeah. It's like your gut instinct, first of all, like giving that body awareness yeah like something's not right here there is incongruence so body can you signal something so that my human knows yeah Yeah. and um actually inside psx which is the pleasurable exploration certification course that um cat created there is a definition for what incoherence is or how you would acknowledge it so there is that First, somatic 
reaction, your body's signaling to you. And if you're more in your head, like I am often, if you're disconnected to what your body is signaling to you, because you might not first notice that constriction in your in your chest or your mouth going dry, for example, or it might be like a more of a long-term sustained quote unquote reaction. It might be that you're simply feeling like there's something awry. Um, there might be discord or disruption to any area of your life. There might be lack of order, lack of cohesion in the way you feel about yourself. Like you're not feeling quite right in your own skin. Um, you find you may find it difficult to maintain kind of an equal footing or equilibrium within yourself as well you might also just feel on edge or be in a state of unrest or feeling like something else needs to be done like either something's not enough or something's not complete or there's something that you have to do what else would you add there Kat yeah I got I would add a couple of things well two two different um directions here Vicky what you're speaking to I kind of look at as this um like these concentric circles of knowing that you're in energy incoherence or incongruence and it starts with yourself like just you in the middle of the circle somatic experience the thoughts and funky feelings and feeling off that comes with that and then it kind of, and then a result of feeling that way or being in a constant state of that, if it's an over prolonged period of time, like people can be in energy incongruence for years. You start to, you start to see your immediate surroundings being off in some way, right? Maybe it's that you can't keep your house clean or you can't remember to do certain things, right? In, in sort of disorder in your immediate surround, surrounding circle. And then we can keep going out and starting to see discord in our relationships, in our, in our work, right? In our worldview. And so it gets really nuanced. And if that's overwhelming, you can remember to always come back to the middle of the circle where you're feeling that distinct experience. Um, and then I guess I wanted to answer the second part of Joe's question, which was how to know when you're in in congruence, right? When you're in experiencing coherent energy, which would be the opposite of what we've just spoken to. It would be a sense of, so not a sense necessarily of elation or happiness, right? Not a sense of the this other end of the extreme, but a sense of groundedness, a sense of calm, a sense of almost neutrality, not numbness, but it's coming from that still center, which is important. I think it's important to speak to that versus a lot of people think that achieving this energy mastery means you're feeling like fucking amazing all the time and, and ecstatic and, and just on some high vibe, but that can actually be another extreme that you're seeking, like a high you're seeking. Whereas true congruence, true mastery is operating from this super grounded center and consciously feeling happy or consciously feeling down as appropriate, right? Yeah, the equilibrium, I think, is an important note because it, 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 I think it is easy to, to be like, oh, let me take it to the opposite end of the spectrum. That must be the antidote to 
the incongruence, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't think that that's really the, the remedy for it. But on that note, then kind of taking it into the identity piece, um, and, and maybe the, the archetypal essences that we sort of embody or the, the parts, you know, that we, we embody, um, how does that affect our overall energy in terms of when we when we're like in this fragmented place, right? We're not like in that total self energy. We're kind of, I'm operating from this part, I'm operating out of that archetype, but I'm not doing it in a congruent or like a holistic sort of way. It's just sometimes I'm this and then sometimes I'm that, which I think that's going to happen regardless. But how does that sort of affect how we be, whether it's our relationships or business or just the way that we show up in general? Yes, I love this. Um, oh, this one gets kind of this one gets deep. So, what I look at with this fract this fractured state, or not even fractured state, because we always have different parts, right? The the, the and we, I talk about this in PSX with polarity, but the point's not to like delete all the polarity and like not have these different um, expressions of ourselves and our and our personality and all of that but the point is to accept our wholeness as multi-dimensional beings um we can we can uh, kind of come at integrating ourselves from a place of fixing and like making all of our parts fit in together and that's where we, where things can start to get um get energetically messy because we are looking to constantly react to our sense of um I guess I'm, I'm I'm trying to say we can come at it from like a fixing point of view and a like deleting point of view like getting rid of any discomfort or we can come at it from a fully like Vicky was saying earlier a full acceptance of what is point of point of view or or operating modus operandi right so the more that we can no matter how integrated our parts are or no matter how well we understand our archetypal expressions or no matter how um you know healed we we think we are we can still accept ourselves fully right here, right now in the state we're in. That gets us into that place of groundedness, that stillness, that ability to be an energy mastery and respond consciously to our state versus coming at it from this, oh my gosh, I need to integrate all of this and I need to heal it all right now. And I need to figure it out, figure out the story about it all right now, right? you remind or oh, this whole conversation has reminded me of this phrase I often hear coming from people in my world and it's like oh yeah I need to work on that it's like there's always something to have to work on like there's constant um we could say it the hamster wheel of oh the learning and the healing's not done yet and oh yeah I'll work on that next and it's like well can we just hop off the hamster wheel and be 
complete now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we look at the, when we look at like the path to liberation, uh, when we look at the path to awakening, right, which all the transformational arts are, are some sort of awakening um, mechanism, right? Becoming more aware of self, world, energy, and therefore operating from a more informed perspective where we can exist feeling better, right? I mean, at the end of the day. And so when we look at these paths of awakening, we're moving from bondage, karma, to liberation, right? From bondage. Bondage to patterns, to you know, habitual limiting, limiting actions, bondage to, you know, um, energy and coherence, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Bondage to perceived identities, all that stuff. And then we move towards liberation. And so I see this hamster wheel of fixing ourselves, of always having something to heal, always having something to integrate always needing to get rid of something within ourselves as another bonding, another piece of bondage, right? Yeah. It looks pretty and shiny because we are like doing all the journaling and taking all the classes and doing our 500th yoga training, but we're bonded to healing and that's not liberation. You're not healed. Not that we ever are if you're still on that hamster wheel. So I hope that answers your question. And I, I, I just kind of, as you were saying that, I was like, okay, that's, that's an interesting point. Um, because I think that there's this, this need to be on the wheel with the belief that that's what devotion to our journey looks like. And I am like, mm, is it though? Is it? Cause I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe, I mean, maybe for someone it is, but what then? does devotion look like if not that in your experience you as yeah. well yeah so in the work that I mean and this this is universal my lens is just always informed by classical tantra because it's what I teach um devotion is yes this beautiful idea but it's also like a technology like there's a technology to devotion um and that looks like showing up showing up for yourself, your self-work, whatever that looks like to you, um, in that full acceptance state. Okay. That means you wake up and you are exhausted and feeling grumpy. You do something for yourself anyway. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be meditation. It can be your personal practice or just taking five minutes to breathe and be silent or going on a walk. Um, but the showing up in and out, no matter what the external reality looks like, is the devotion. And that means that you don't attach to any outcome like healing. It means you just do it anyway. It means you do it even if you don't feel like you're getting better in that phase or you sit down to do your practice and all you can think about is the fight you had with someone yesterday. Um, that's the technology and that showing up for that every day, instead of showing up for the idea of becoming some healed, enlightened God, 
right? That's where you actually get free. I want to bring this around to what we can do with this wisdom. So if I want to be out in the world and not see myself as the social anxiety one or the anxious one, because my family see me as the anxious one, right? Like, oh, it's really loud in here for mum. Like, you know, make sure that she can see you talk because she can't hear everything that you're saying because there's so much stimulation. Like this is a real life example for me that happened at the airport yesterday, seeing off my son. He's away for three weeks. There is already anxiety in my heart. There's all these people about to go on their holidays with their own families. It's like all this charged energy in the environment. I'm aware of that and I can accept that. And how do I not see myself as broken in that moment? Yeah. Well, first off, you could accept that you feel broken for feeling that way, (laughs) right? We want to get really meta with it Um, because the awareness you have of the fact that you may feel that, that, that brokenness or that victim victimhood is all you really need. Um, in, in, at least in my line of work, once the awareness is there, you don't need to do any, you can definitely go and do some practices about it. Right. And try to shift it, integrate it, heal it. Or you could just acknowledge, you could just accept that you get into situations where you feel like you're sort of fulfilling this self-fulfilling role. Um, and watch, watch that full acceptance, right? Because if you're still like, oh, I wish I could get over this a little bit, then you're not really fully accepting that part of you. Maybe it needs that to integrate. Yeah. Rather than sitting there thinking, oh, I really should do something about this overstimulation thing, or like, I don't know, what do I need to do? And like, I'm constantly thinking about there must be some way of fixing it, which is pathogenesis isn't that so funny that this entire conversation threads back to that entire conversation of pathogenesis which is the need to fix versus salutogenesis which is just like let's (laughs) let's not do that all the time yes like how can I thrive anyway it's this acceptance yeah oh wow I feel like last week's podcast episode we talked about acceptance a lot as well yeah we did Uh, Okay, thank you. I'll um, bookmark that because clearly more discussions need to happen around this. Kat's going to be my coach in the new year, I think. <laughs> hey, the one-on-one offers are out. <laughs> true, true. So let's round, um, circle this back into, and I know you're probably going to take it to the right place, Joe, as well, but I want to hear about, okay, if I'm not the, the anxious one, and I want to experience myself as the creative one, the one who um, not only experiences joy, but cultivates it, generates it for myself and my family. If I want to have more pleasure in the world and be responsible for making that happen for myself, energy coherence is obviously going to give me that experience. So speak to me about, speak to us about cultivating that experience. Even if sometimes I'm set up to have the incoherent thoughts, feels, somatic experiencing. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, well, this just comes down to, which is a huge part of PSX, um, 
being cultivating an ability or a bandwidth to feel everything because if if you're not able to and i'm not saying you're not able to i'm using like the general you if some you know if if you can be with oh i'm feeling like really anxious and unregulated right now like this is crunchy like i'm gonna feel this wow it's there hello um versus oh shit i'm feeling a little bit anxious let me dissociate get on my phone and go grab an espresso then you can feel deeply yeah i'm just calling myself out there <laughs> like let me go add some more cortisol and then just get high on caffeine and not feel this <laughs> Right. Then we're, we're cultivating this ability to feel all big feelings because we can only feel as much pleasure as we can feel our pain or our sadness or our anxiety or our whatever. And like I said, the best place to practice that is not in the moment in the airport when you're he hella overstimulated. The best place to start cultivating that is in that daily devotion to you're feeling and then you get the the menu of embodiment you know embodiment or emotional processing or whatever tools i don't have to go through all the tools but to practice but to practice it daily to build a bandwidth so that when you get to the unregulated situation it's not the first time that you've sat with your feelings and then once you're able to sit with those feelings in many situations and it's okay if you slip up and go dissociate one day, then you start to have this bandwidth to feel all the delicious sensations of life, pleasure and pain. And that's, I think, something that, um, that I was kind of talking about inside of ARC, um, which is Archetypes and Shadow Divination, um, of like, that's a, it's a good differentiator, right? To, to cultivate the awareness, we do it on the daily to build the resilience and the tolerance, right? We've got to amp that up as well. But there's a lot of people I know that, have, that, you know, come to me over the years who they, you know, their practice, so to speak, has been to avoid in the moment and like, oh, I'm just going to come home and I'll deal with it later. And I'm like, well, but then that's not a fucking practice. Then, yo, like you're not really doing the work if you're waiting until later. So we have to, we have to know that threshold of like, I can totally deal with this right now, or I do not have the resilience, right? Like when we're in the challenge, the, the one thing I always have to do um, because I've, I've had to deal with a lot of challenge over the last couple of years in particular with, um, medical staff. And it was, it's so frustrating, right? Not to just like scream at people who, who are just committed to being unhelpful. Um, but it, you know, it's something that I had to keep coming back to over and over was just like, thank you. Thank you for being a challenge for me because you helped me practice these qualities that I've been cultivating for a really long time. And I think that's kind of how, again, like how we build the mastery is to be in the challenge. Like we have to be able to practice those skills, right? Like just like with anything else, like you don't pop out of the womb knowing how to tie your shoes, right? You have to be able to, to practice and then you get good at it. So 
I think it's just like with anything else, right? Like that practice of, of being with the discomfort. I mean, we just, we build with time. Yeah. I have a quick note on that that feels really relevant for like the holidays and like being around family and old, you know, people from your past and maybe your hometown or whatever that you don't love so much. Um, you know, I see a lot of the spiritual Instagram TM <laughs> crew who, and I'm not calling anybody out specifically here, who are like, oh, I'm so enlightened. I'm so awakened. Um, but they basically avoid any, any life, any confrontational life experiences. And they just sort of jet off to Bali on a beach around people. They, you know, and, and like never go home and see, I'm not saying you have to go home and see your family, right? Take this with a grain of salt. It's an example, but never getting themselves around their own lives or never getting themselves around anything that might activate them. And so is that, are you really that enlightened or are you just is using escapist spirituality by jetting yourself off to a tropical beach and never ever getting around something that might cause you to have to go into what you were just talking about joe and i'm not saying we have to be masochists and like seek out you know toxic family members and stuff no um but we have to i guess just kind of also well we don't have to do anything if, if they want to, you know, you can do whatever you want. If you want to jet off to a beach in Bali and never, ever have stress again, cool, great, go for it. But we have to, I think, like, be in life and be in the world. And that's where the spiritual curriculum, the self-work curriculum really shows up is when we engage with life. And that's what I wanted to say about that. Because if you're with family right now or with in a situation right now that you maybe kind of have to do, but you're not loving it, realize that life is everywhere. And this is more substrate for you to experience the playground of watching yourself react and playing with your, your practices and learning more about yourself. And you can say thank you to every single one of those little challenges that pop up. I love that as also a way of being able to play with our archetypal um, identities, who we perceive ourselves. But I know that when I'm with my family, I feel like a different person. Like parts of me become more predominant in the conversation, the way I experience myself and perceive myself. And then when I'm with my family, no, I'm, I get to be someone, I, I say I get to be someone else, but really I am all of it. It is life and encountering others in life and all the energies that they bring and all the archetypes that they bring um, that gives me the experience of being so multidimensional. So not only do I absolutely need to feel everything, like, I, I accept this human experience. I incarnated. I totally signed up for this. So, yes, give me all the pain and pleasure. Give me the smorgasbord. That's what I signed up for, willingly. So, with that, give me all the beings that I get to play with in that. But I think that brings us back to 
this idea of acceptance and of course you know we build to acceptance through tolerance and and neutrality um as well and again and i i know i've i've said this a million times but neutrality not meaning the absence of opinion or feeling or whatever but but to just be in observance and to be in this this sort of um place of equilibrium right like not not reacting, not responding, just just being in, in observance, but also recognizing that like the the energies, the identities, the archetypes, whatever it is, um, the behaviors, the beliefs that we embody, that we enact out on a daily basis, like they serve a purpose. And maybe we want to integrate and do something different. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with working towards that. Of course, I know we were kind of talking about being on the hamster wheel forever, but, um, but coming back to that place of acceptance of like, sometimes I just have to be energetically flexible because it's going to take a different energetic frequency to deal with this type of person than it is with that type of person. So how can we mm, how can we see that that's that spectrum and be okay with that flux that's just i think naturally going to happen oh energetically flexible i love that phrase i'm going to steal it <laughs> um yeah so this to me i was just writing about this this morning comes from um comes from oh there's a word there's a phrase my teacher uses for it and it's not malleability it's like um i'm just gonna say softness that's not the word that he uses but we basically we can be hard and rigid and come from this place of like i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna act like this and here are my boundaries and it's healthy to have boundaries, but I guess I mean, um, it's okay. Here, here's where I'm getting to. This comes from acting from an energetically mature versus an energetically immature place. And it's okay if you're energetically immature, we pretty much all are until we learn better. But as we continue to learn how to be with ourselves and recognize our energy in any given moment and maintain that presence of being able to separate ourselves from the situation and look at it, versus having it basically hit us in the face before we even recognize it's rising up, we can become soft in our living, soft in our responses, soft in our, in our interface with the world. And what I mean by that is when you're really hard and rigid, when you have really strong rules about how you act and how you speak and, and it doesn't change in situation to situation, person to person, there's not a lot of, um, that comes from someone who, a, a place of, I'm getting there. <laughs> it's so heady. That comes from a place of not having energy mastery. So you have to have really strong discipline because your, your energy is unpredictable and you don't know how you're going to respond or react. And it, it's okay. Earlier on in our awakening journey, that's needed. Like we need a lot of discipline with ourselves. And then as you energetically mature, AKA become more aware of your energy, 
become more present and grounded in your body and less fight or flight where you can create that separation, you get softness, which is one, I'm not so attached to the outcome of this conversation or this thing I'm doing or this person I'm talking to. I'm not, I'm not so, I'm not so attached to convincing them to think like I do or healing this relationship in this one moment or fixing this thing. So that creates softness of, I'm not going to force anything. And then we can also experience the flexibility of, okay, I'm speaking with a friend from my, my, you know, I'm speaking with a friend from my women's circle. So I can, I can kind of challenge this person to think in this way, because I know that they'll receive it. But now I'm talking to my 90 year old granddad and I kind of know how he's going to receive my energy. So I'm going to be compassionate and loving for where he's at and let it go. That's the flexibility. That's the softness. Does, did that come full circle? I hope it did. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, Vicky, I'm curious if there's anything that you want to add to that. So energy plasticity is now where my mind is like taking off on a rabbit hole. If I can hold pleasure and pain simultaneously, if I can hold joy and despair simultaneously, we've talked about that on a previous episode, the dark night of the soul episode, right? Like even in the darkness, there can be those glimpses of joy. If I can allow polarity to exist, and experiencing my parts all together and maybe have them collaborate, I feel like there is hmm, a higher experience of grace that I get to channel in that moment. Like softness term, that phrase to me, I was thinking mm, grace, yes, that is allowing love and compassion and acceptance to be at the forefront like the filter that first filter that I interact with the world with is through the lens of grace it's not too cliche is it to say that at this time of year we're recording on solstice 2022 where we get to the extremes of our wheel of the year like stark night stark day like the longest night and I'm in the longest day you are all in the longest night right now so we're at polar extremes of our experience of shadow and light so it's not a mistake that we're talking about this on solstice right I can be creative there when I've got the whole spectrum of light and it's darkness and it's, it's full power. I can be creative in my conversations to ways that I may never have been able to do before. When I'm channeling grace, the way that I'm describing it, I get to be the creative being. I get to co-create with greater awareness. I'm smiling so hard right now because we know this stuff. I've been working with energy plasticity since I was like 14. Like, I freaking know this yet yesterday my experience was extreme anxiety I could call myself a master 
And I don't need to have imposter syndrome or feel like a fraud in saying that just because I don't have a handle on all the things. Like, no, no, true mastery is the acceptance. And also knowing when to ask for help and guidance and reminders. Like, may we remind one another of the extreme polar experience that we get to have as a human being. Healthy amounts of polarity. Why am I in relationships? Why am I not the only human being on earth? Oh, because I need the other to have an experience with and to know contrast to and to know similarity. That's like such a good point because I was going to come back to creativity, but you nailed it. And like, I think that's, that's exactly it. We need to have the full range of experience in order to really be creative because imagine how fucking boring it would be if everything was homogenous like we wouldn't have creativity then because it's a fucking utopia and everything like that's boring <laughs> so i think polarity really breeds our capacity for creativity i feel like there needs to be a part two and where we take this episode and go into the conversation of worldviews then what about polarizing worldviews in that case I love polarizing worldviews <laughs> oh, like, yes. <laughs> but also I think we we also need to take it, it this that into a conversation of like I no longer believe in imposter syndrome I actually think it's horseshit but that's a conversation for another day so how do we want to wrap this up? Like, what do you want to leave our listeners with after having dropped all this knowledge? Mm. All right. I'll just riff off as the wrapping up. I'll riff off of the plasticity thing. We can call it plasticity. We can call it softness. We can call it um, acceptance. But at the end of the day, what this comes to is, you know, we're never fully healed or enlightened or energetically mature or any of those things. And this also goes off of the no such thing as imposter syndrome. It's not about how perfect you become through doing all the things and being this enlightened floating being. It's about your, I mean, to me, I look at people and sense their level of groundedness and calmness in the moment and a true leader to me is somebody who is not not isn't perfect but can experience the pleasures the pains this end of the polarity with grace like vicky said you know i recognize that somebody i look up to might get a divorce or something right and that used to that used to like shatter all my faith in these people. And now I recognize because I've gotten to the closer to the place of a leader that there is no perfection that we reach. And actually when we can take, when we can take joy and find creativity in this just like crunchy, juicy life, we can really start to capitalize on like utilize that polarity as the fuel for our our leadership our impact our legacy etc so 
that's 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 how I want to I think end that that feels good well thank you both for sharing all of your insight and just being candid and vulnerable yeah so if you want to come in on the conversation and go back and forth with us come and join our telegram group otherwise you can always catch us over at magic at lexidangelo.com or on insta at taboo institutes 